Hey there, folks. Episode number 40, Over the Hill, the Uticast. I feel like we are over the hill. This is going to be the episode where we officially get really old. Officially? Fast, <laughs> I guess. I feel like an old man constantly. Uh, 40, though. We're getting up there. That's crazy. It's made it 40 weeks. 40 straight weeks, too. Proud of we're doing every week. One of these days, we're going to inevitably miss one, but not this week. Not this week. This is a good week, actually. We have a nice conversation with Jeff Adderman of Big Blue North Recording Studio in South Utica. Went over to that beautiful establishment. Very nice. Uh, we'll interview him. Let's get into the show. Episode 40. establishment the listeners have to take a drink the establishment it's a beautiful establishment uh kevin what's up buddy how was your easter uh easter was good i had a really really good easter we went over to my uncle's house that we've never really gone over there for a holiday before they decided to host it this year and it was super nice out and all the family was there all the food was great and they have a big deck on the back so everybody's hanging out there just you know enjoying some beers enjoying the turn of the weather it's really good how about you uh Nice. Went to visit my grandfather, who uh, my old Italian grandfather in the morning. That was very nice. Got a lot of Italian meats, dried meats, <laughs> cheeses. Um, my grandfather. Uh, this is a funny. This is a weird old person thing. And maybe you got old people in your life too who are like this. My grandfather. You know, he makes a lot of like nice Italian food. He cooks. He. You know, he's okay. But he's flabbergasted by like low trash, like low class trashy like snack food. Like I remember one. He came to my house when I was a kid, and there were pizza rolls, and he was just blown away <laughs> by the guy, like, how the hell is this? How did I get the filling inside? <laughs> like, he's just blown away always by these weird, like, insular food items. And this year, somebody brought um, basically boneless uh, buffalo chicken wings from, like, okay. BJ's, right? Like, the ones you get from the fryer counter, right? Sure. <laughs> he brought them over and just like they weren't even fresh like someone heated them up in the microwave they were kind of like lackluster just some really low effort really, offering at the Easter dinner yeah low it was all picking foods and whatever all snacks and stuff but like my grandfather was just he was what what is this who made this and we're like lying we're like oh my cousin Danielle she made it he's like you made this <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was my, a lot of my Easter and then of course uh, we did my mom's Easter which is more traditional Family time, lots of kids running around. That was good. Right. Uh, Easter is a madhouse because of all the candy and the children. They <laughs> consume the candy in their faces, in their dumb faces. And uh, <laughs> I love my niece and nephew, by the way. They're the greatest. But, like, no children, sugar for children. I never really noticed it. Like, when you're a little kid, you like, I want candy, right? Like, I like candy, but it's a real thing. It's like drugs for kids. They, when you give kids a bunch of candy, they're out of control of their emotions. Just they turn into maniacs. They're wild. Slaves of the sugar. Uh, it was good. Easter's, um, I like Easter because it's going to sound, it's like a low effort holiday in general. Like there's not as much. It is. Uh, it, it's a pretty chill holiday compared to, you know, bigger things, Christmas, yeah. obviously, stuff like that. I bought my niece and nephew like a box of peeps each and said, happy Easter kids. I did see peeps are the grossest. It's like no yeah. peeps ever yeah, for me. Disgusting. I can't do it. Kind of skeevy. I will say this. I like a peep better uh, stale than I like it fresh. Like, I'd rather have you leave it out overnight so it gets kind of hard and uh, it's got some consistency ah. to it. 
They're a little gross when they're soft. Just, it's, it's all gross. More for you, I guess. Um, Aaron's not here today, by the way, folks. Sorry mm-hmm. to tell you. Uh, and normally we give Aaron a hard time, but from what it sounds like, Aaron's not feeling very well. Seems quite sick. You know, you can never tell, but she's not feeling so well. So send Aaron some love on Twitter at Aaron underscore new underscore shoes. Yes. Underscore? No, no underscore at the end. Two underscores. Aaron underscore new underscore shoes. Um, sad day for us. You're a big uh, Tribe Called Quest fan, Kev. Uh, huge Tribe yeah. Called Quest fan. It was really sad to find out that uh, one half of at least the vocalist for Tribe Called Quest, Fife Dog, died. He was 45 years mm. old. Died of diabetes complications. You know, he was fighting it for a long time pretty publicly. And it's just, it's a sad day, man. Like, Tribe Called Quest is one of those things I put on. I understand that, you know, mm-hmm. rap music and hip-hop isn't for everybody. I understand that, certain, that a lot of people aren't going to like it, especially, like, you know, older generations. I think a lot of people's parents don't really get it. Sure. If somebody ever came to me and is like, play me something that explains to me why you like hip-hop music. Mm-hmm. Like, try to get me to get it. I feel like I would put on Tribe before almost anything. I feel like it's some of the just most accessible, next-level, influential stuff, and there's never a bad time to listen to it, and it always ends up being the whole album when you put a song on. When I think of uh, Tribe, I'm not as I'm probably not as deep into Tribe as you are. My my rap interests tend to skew a little weirder. Liquid Swords, Liquid over Swords, and over and over. yeah, <laughs> Liquid Swords and MF Doom. Uh, but Tribe, I got into in New York because it's a big New York thing. Like, yes. you know, there's people in New York City love Tribe and. Uh, I consider Tribe like foundational bands. Like if you want to be a, a hip hop guy, somewhere along the way you have to sit down and be like, all right, yeah, I have to listen. Tribe's the same way as like rock and roll guys. Like if you don't listen to the Beatles, mm-hmm. it's hard to like make a valid opinion about them. And they're like a forefront band, so or a forerunner band. Yeah, and it's crazy because I mean there were you know they had um, they had the DJ and everything who produced as well. But the two guys basically rapping, you know, I think Q Tip was always the main guy. Everybody yeah. really, really remembers him. Loved yeah. Q Tip. He got all the attention. He was doing a lot of guest spots. But like, I feel like Fife is the glue that held everything together. Like mm. when he came in on the second album on Low End Theory and had a much bigger yeah. role, it really solidified them into like hitting their full potential and being what they came to be. Low End Theory could have been on our list of complete albums front to back, yes. uh, which we're going to push one week because Aaron's not here. Uh, that was her segment. I don't want to do it without her. That's true. Uh, but still, we didn't get a lot of people sending us in. Send us in your uh, your best suggestions for best complete. We haven't really. I guess we weren't really. Uh, I don't think we asked. We asked a little Did bit, we? but uh, we'll ask up front. So we're going to do a segment next week if Aaron's here. Hopefully. Um, about the our favorite albums front to back, you have to listen to from beginning to end all the songs, not it's just the hits. best. What's the best complete album? Like, um, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, like, I always think the first thing that comes to my mind for here's one for you fans. There's like the Weezer Blue album. Like, I can listen to every song on that album yeah, front to back. That's true. Um, it's it's like fundamental for me in terms of teaching me how to listen to music and write music. So that one's real easy for me. You guys can have that one. Uh, <laughs> but we'll go into a little bit of stuff like that next week. Um, you could say Low End Theory, one of those albums. Yeah, Midnight Marauders, too. Midnight Marauders. For me, yeah, both I of them. Say, I mean... I was going to say. Uh, Syracuse was the big story of the week, but we'll uh, let's bring in uh, Mr. Parkinson before we get into the Syracuse Orange. Anything else you want to say before we go into break? Uh, nothing. Let's roll right to it and get him in here. If we, we got to get him in, let's get it over with. Huh? Let's <laughs> get him in and out. In and out. We'll be right back, folks.
You know, I gotta, I, I gotta say it before we get into any story, uh, any news, I guess, but uh, today, well, I guess yesterday by the time you folks hear it, uh, Monday, it's my mom's birthday. She doesn't always listen, but happy birthday, mom. Angela Kay, she's a good woman. Happy birthday, Sam's mom. One of the best there is. She's a good lady. She's a good lady. Put out a good Easter dinner. Ham. Oh, I bet. Your mom, I, I've never had anything to eat at your mother's house that was less than phenomenal. I have some grape leaves in the fridge that are, like, so on point. Yeah, not for long. <laughs> not for long. Uh, Justin Parkinson, uh, how was your Easter, buddy? Um, I didn't do anything. I stayed <laughs> home the whole day. And played wrestling video games. Yep. Yes. Yep. I'm jealous, actually. That seems you like... You shouldn't be. <laughs> I've probably played as much as I have. I have. Um... So let's get into, I guess, this is, uh, it seems like a little bit of a slow news week. I didn't want to rehash a lot of stuff we've already talked about. So let's get into the news story that's sweeping the nation for the first time ever. A number 10 seed has made it into the NCAA Final Four. That is our beloved Syracuse Orange. It's it's amazing, and it's crazy in the fashion, too. Like, having these really, like, crazy games, having that comeback, and the one before a good game, too. I'm, as a Syracuse fan... I have to say, I I like this team because they're sort of playing with house money. The whole gimmick is, like, they shouldn't have made the tournament anyway. So it seemed like anything that they did was going to be impressive anyway. Like, yeah. oh, look at that. They made it to the 16. Oh, there, they made it to the 8. There's something I was reading today that, that said, essentially, their college basketball is blue bloods turned Cinderella's. So when you analyze that aspect of it, the the roster that they have and the talent they have is very good. Um, the suspension of Bayheim just threw their season in whack. So I think they got a pass uh, because they performed well when he coached. And I think what you're seeing is obviously a really, really good coach with really talented players who are exceeding their seeding mm-hmm. expectation. But if you right, take the body right. of work with Bayheim with these guys, they've been playing good enough to get into the tournament. So, yeah, Final Four is most definitely surprising. Them playing good in the tournament, not that surprising. So I'll tell you one thing, though. I I, and I, I don't watch a lot of college basketball by, by design. I watch yeah. Syracuse because I have, you know, uh, ties to Syracuse. And uh, that's about it. Like, the rest of the college... I didn't really know much about Virginia until I watched that game yesterday. Yeah. That being said, I know for a fact that college basketball is interesting in a way where you can play zones. Like, they do the 2-3 zone, and they go into, like, different formations in a yep. way and it affects the game so much more drastically you don't see that in the nba well, college basketball is reliant on the three-pointer so yes. the, the zone is, is very heavy on that but uh virginia statistically this year was the lowest like paced team in all of college all the teams they were the worst pace like the amount of shots mm-hmm. they took how so getting a 16 point lead against syracuse and being virginia was probably god-awful to watch because they literally just took the air out of the basketball and it allowed Syracuse to come back because they don't play with urgency. They they mm. really wait till the last second. So um, they prime themselves to be set up like that, I almost feel. so. They're frustrating to watch uh, in general. it's uh, Syracuse is like every team that I like. They're very frustrating to watch because they have these spurts of ineffectiveness. Like Syracuse's first half in that game was just, oh, we're just not going to score. Let's just shoot the ball and it'll... <laughs> like, it's just, it was, it's like watching the Knicks. The Knicks were always kind of futile like that for a long time as well. Um, <laughs> what I'm really appreciating about this, and, and this is the one thing I'm enjoying, uh, earlier this year, soon-to-be uh, defunct news organization Gawker uh, put, <laughs> put out a... <laughs> I like Gawker. I'm not, I mean, I just I feel bad for him. Hogan got you. Um, <laughs> are, they really, is it, are they going out? No, no. Oh, I'm sure they're not. Uh, but they did a ranking of the most, uh, the most hated teams in the NCAA tournament this year, and Syracuse made it to the Final Four, uh, which is about right. Syracuse are pretty 
unlikable organization outside of upstate New York, I feel like. It's crazy to me because my perspective is so skewed living here because everybody loves Syracuse so much that I can't even really picture a scenario where Syracuse is like, oh, I hate those guys. Even people like we talk about, like, I don't watch a ton of college basketball either, like, really at all. But I love Syracuse. I want them to win. Well, listen, winning changes a lot of stuff, too. So up here... um, this just bought Beheim so much time. You know what I mean? Like it kind of no, erases. Look, he's pretty you know, old. He's well, no, I'm, I'm saying in, in, in I'm saying in leniency though. Like um, he's he's hmm. he's kind of erased the the sanctions and the loss of the tournament last year by getting to the final four. Like no one up here is talking about what's crazy that to old me, stuff anymore. We're too excited for right now. So what's crazy to me is about like all the years that they've had these great teams where people are like oh this might be the year. You know Syracuse is really good and they're going in like really high seed and all this different stuff and then they get bounced kind of early. Yeah. It's crazy that this team at this seed with this record and everything yep. is coming in, and this is the team that's actually like making moves all the way to the Final Four. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, so eat it, haters out there. The Orange, we're coming alive. Uh, also, not for nothing, the Syracuse women's college yeah. basketball team is also in the Final yeah. Four. So Syracuse has two uh, college basketball teams in the Final Four right now. That's right. I know about the women's basketball. Yeah. I'm not a chauvinist hey, pig. They accomplished, I think, uh, two things obviously because they had made the tournament with their best record this year and then they made it to a sweet 16 and now a final four so the, the mm. women's basketball team this is a magical mm. season for them so I actually want to get back to a point you were making about Bayheim. Um with the difference between a team like Syracuse and you talk about like basketball blue bloods turning into Cinderella's yeah. Syracuse doesn't really have the title track record that the really elite college basketball programs like your Kentuckys and Dukes and Kansases of the world have Syracuse makes it into the tournament a lot, and they win yeah. 20 games a lot, and they're constantly um, playing in the postseason. But they've had one title, right? The 2003 title. But they've been there. They've been there, yeah. If Beheim could win another title, that would be... He should have had a couple by now. He probably should have had a couple by now, right? He could have had as many as Calhoun has right now. Calhoun's what, Calhoun has like four. A couple of swings mm. another way. Um, Calhoun's got one, Beheim's got four. You know what I mean? So it's... it's mm. uh, it wouldn't be that surprising had he had a couple now, though. Well, Saturday, 8 p.m. versus North Carolina. You got predictions, guys? Oh, man. I'm, I'm pulling for Cuse. North Carolina was my team when I was a kid. I always have soft spots from North Carolina. But it's just, you know what it is? Like, I have to pull for Syracuse because life in general is so much more fun when Syracuse is winning. Yeah. Everybody's so happy. People are going nuts on Twitter. Like, everybody's out watching games, making an event of it. For that reason alone, it's so much fun when Syracuse yeah. wins. How could you not pull for them? Look, I want to make a, local. I want to make a statement about that actually, because we went over to Nail Creek to watch the game on Friday against Gonzaga. And shout out to Chris Talgo and Nail Creek. Uh, they set it up so it was a dollar off all drafts during the game when we were tweeting about it. So that was pretty dope. Shout out to Talgo. So we were all set up in front of the TV over there. It was a good coalition of people wearing the Syracuse gear, watching the game. Right? There's also a bunch of people in the bar who are not watching the Syracuse game. Now I get it. Right, if you're not a sports person, and like there's a big sports event going on, it's taking over the bar. It's probably kind of obnoxious, especially what, a place like Nail, which that doesn't happen. Which often. doesn't really happen. <laughs> often. But the people at Nail were yeah. really, like, you know, they turned the music off and turned the game volume yeah. on, so the game was on when you walked in, right? And there was a lot of ironic cheering whenever something bad would happen for Syracuse, just to troll the Syracuse fans there. And I got to tell you, I didn't appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it. I know what you're doing. You got, you got names to name out here? I didn't see any people. Okay. No one no one came up to the front to be seen with their, their trolling. You know how I feel about trolling. Listen, I feel like that's the thing, man. Like, I, I love Nail Creek. You know what I mean? I go to Nail probably more than I go to most places. 
I feel like it's probably not the best spot to go watch like a sporting event and a game or something like that. It is a Syracuse game. True, but like I'm saying, like it's, it's only, only one it's TV. It's only the one TV and there's yeah, only yeah. really the one spot yeah. to sit and everything. And especially, I think that atmosphere in particular was probably pretty cool because you are in that close space huddling around a TV. That's like true. how many more times you're usually at watch, like a place with eight TVs. You don't have that, like everyone hovered in a public place around mm-hmm. a television for Syracuse mm-hmm. basketball. Like it's a good time of the year for, for Syracuse stuff, so. I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good game on uh, Saturday. I'm liking, I like Syracuse by three in a squeaker. Yeah, I think uh, I would like to see Syracuse based on the premise that North Carolina, you guys are filthy and you should be in trouble. And the fact that, (laughs) yeah, right, that Bayheim and Syracuse (laughs) lost last year's tournament when you're committing academic fraud over like 20 year span, like get out of here. The hot take machine. Well, Well, that's that's the thing too. You make a good point though. We talk about how everyone likes Syracuse around here, but I guess if you go, if you're uh, intolerable, uh, if you're an elitist college basketball fan, like you're really into college basketball, um, you you look at Syracuse as the team that cheated, right? Like Mm -hmm. Syracuse, if you're not a Syracuse fan, is still like a a scummy team who cheated and like had violations and sanctions and stuff. Like if you're one of those kind of college basketball fans, so I can see. Because I, I like to pile on Duke. It's easy to pile yeah. on, right? Oh, they're like, the, worst. Know, the worst. Duke is the worst. They got yeah. mopped, thank God. Shout out to Mirror Scream. That's his squad. I think that is. Yeah. All right. um, oh, I know a couple Dukies out there. <laughs> oh, uh, I want to update a different story. Let's move on to something else. Uh, I want to update a story. We talked about the Apple uh, the Apple phone versus the FBI argument a couple months ago. The, we did? Uh, we did. Yeah, the general no, story, uh, general story is... Uh, the FBI wanted Apple to open up one of their phones for information. Apple said they didn't want to do it. Uh, the update in the story actually came not too long before we started getting ready for the show today. Uh, there's not too much about it, so if you want to follow up the story, you can go to bbc.com. That's where I saw it. Uh, so Apple had been resisting a court order issued last month requesting the firm to overwrite new software. Uh, but Monday it came out that an independent party had accessed the phone and they've now asked for the order to be withdrawn. So the FBI said, hey, Apple, never mind. We figured it out ourselves. We don't need you. Um, not exactly the end to this story that I was expecting, uh, although maybe it was the that's, end I should have expected, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. It's ominous news, though. <laughs> it is kind of <laughs> ominous, right? Well, we were watching um, Cliff and I, uh, Mr. Robot, which I'm... I can't wait. You got me. I'm, I'm trying to convince you to watch. Yeah, to I get into wait. Start Now. It's That'll really, be tomorrow. Really good. I really, I'm going to binge watch the whole season tomorrow. But the premise of that show with dealing with hackers is it makes you think is that even though Apple has this technology, there's somebody somewhere who knows it or can develop it, and that's usually who Apple's trying to hire. Not all of these great mm. technology people currently work there, so I'm sure it wasn't very difficult for the FBI to go out and find somebody, wipe out a student loan, and say, hey, dude, take care of this for me, right? and they did. So there's a lot of brilliant yeah. people out here. It's a very, very House of Cards plot line. Right <laughs> well, there. I mean... I still very strongly suggest for anyone who's interested in this story, you go to YouTube and watch the uh, the 15-minute video that John Oliver did about encryption... Um, yes. which yes, is yes, a yes. really, really excellent mm-hmm. uh, overview of the entire case from both sides. So if you have any interest in this story, I suggest it's free on YouTube. You know, John Oliver's cool like that. Uh, watch it. It's called Encryption. It's really excellent. It gives a really interesting take on this whole story. So, you know. It's a quick it. way. He does a really good job of summing something up because it's only like 10 or 11 minutes long, probably the segment, yeah. maybe 15 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he does a really good job of concisely explaining something that's very complex and making it easy for... Anybody who looks at it from any like mm. level of learning or a level of understanding makes it very easy to get and understand mm. what's going on. He does a really good job with that all the time, mm. but specifically on the encryption and thing. He's much funnier and more charming than you as a host. So 
He gets paid a lot more money. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, so uh, last Friday was the last day to register to vote in the upcoming presidential election. Guys, did you register beforehand? Dun, 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 no. I've been registered. Yeah, I've, honestly, I've honestly never... Never voted in my life. I've never once been to the polls to, to vote. God, you're an anarchist. I know. I just don't... <laughs> I don't know how many presidential elections has there been since I could vote. Um, four. This would be four, four I want to say. Honest to God... I have to think about the numbers now. There's, um, there's a fact of being lazy enough just not to do it, but I haven't been wooed enough to actually make it worth... Like, I, not voting is just, for me, is better than voting for two people I don't Ooh. really care for anyways, you know? Like, meh. I'm not going to pick one that's going to, you know. Well, that's presidential. I think people should register to vote just so, I mean, you know, the presidential election, you made different arguments based on where you live and what you do, how mm-hmm. much your vote counts. You should definitely vote in the primaries. But if everybody thought about every other, like, regular smaller election, like yeah. House of Representatives, local and state government, that type of thing, everybody should go vote in those just as much as they feel like they right. vote once every four years for president. You know what I mean? Because that's the stuff where change really starts at the bottom like that. You know, it is a beauty, I guess, um, that everyone has the, the right to vote. Yeah. So you wonder if everybody should be voting. You know yes. what I mean? I kind everybody of should be voting. happy. Everybody, sh- everybody should be voting. Don't be confrontational for no reason. It's Don't good be to those vote. guys. Don't be one of those guys. Are you registered? Yes. I voted in the uh, the local elections oh, yeah. as well. I enjoy voting. <laughs> I, feel, I feel very powerful when I walk up there and I say, yeah, okay, click. But, you know what, though? I got to say, last time I went to vote... When I was a kid, this is going to sound weird. I used to, you ever go in with your parents and you're a kid all the vote, time? Yeah, in the voting all the time. booth. Yeah. You used to go in and you would click the little levers, right? There was the little click buttons you would pull down. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. When yeah. I went, to, when I went to go vote, I had to fill out like a sheet with a pen. I was like, "What is this? We went backwards. Did we go <laughs> I don't backwards. Trust this. I don't trust this yeah, anymore. Man. This seems very. You shoddy know where yours to me. went? Right in the garbage. Right in the garbage. <laughs> right? I feel like it's my thought the whole time. Um, <laughs> yeah, like as somebody who has a job that requires me to keep track of like lots of different papers, and I'm always taking notes on stuff and writing down things on a million different pieces of paper over the course of a workday, I don't trust my vote for like <laughs> yeah, national government leadership to be jotted down on an index card yeah. and then like, accounted for. <laughs> Just scribble it right here and then sign next to it, and we'll notarize it. Um, <laughs> so let's go to this week's interview. Uh, Parkinson, you were here for this one, actually. We went down to uh, Big Blue North Studio on 2317 Genesee Street in South Utica. Yep, yep. We spent the day, uh, we spent most of the day there. We filmed a couple UCs with Z, yep. and uh, I did an interview with Jeff Adderman, who was the uh, the head studio engineer over there. Uh, he also played for the band Modus, if anyone remembers them. They were uh, good dudes. My boy Gabe from Modus, that's my dude. I haven't seen Gabe in a long time. Um, we Gabe, really... That's the one that plays with Street Rock now, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Does he play it? Oh, God, you're right. He does. Yeah, See? yeah. It's, it's all world. wheels within wheels, man. It's all coming together. Uh, anyhow, Jeff was a really uh, interesting guy. He had a really fascinating take on music. Uh, if you're a musician or if you're not a musician, you should be uh, you'd be interested in some of the things he has to say. And it's also a really beautiful uh, building, which I wish we had more pictures of. Uh, so let's go Let's go to our interview with Jeff. Oh, we should take more pictures. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. Let's see. 
probably since 2007 or 8 since I've been inside this recording studio. And it really is it really is the most beautiful recording studio locally that I can think of. And honestly, regionally, I haven't been to any places that are in, in such position like this. You guys really done some beautiful work here. Uh, and we are here with Jeff Adderman. Is that the pronunciation? Did I say it right? I good. All right, cool. It's not you, aid. And not Aderman. You get a lot of that. <laughs> well, it's A-D-E, people think lemonade. I don't know. <laughs> And, we, and you are the, what would you call yourself here, the studio engineer, the... Uh, chief what's, bottle washer. Chief? <laughs> no. Uh, uh, I, uh, I, I guess uh, somewhat owner and engineer. Mm -hmm. I would regard myself as an engineer, um, you know, as far as like, what do I do every day? Sure. But, you know, yeah, if I need to shovel, if I got to empty the trash. Jack <laughs> of all trades. Yeah, important. well, we're mom, you know, we like to say mom and pop shop. There's basically Pamela and myself. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, this, to, you know, whatever has to get done. He, this, you know, and for those people who've never been here, here at Big Blue North Recording Studio on Genesee Street, uh, was it 2317? 2317. 2317. Formerly Castle. Yeah, for, when I was here, it was still Castle, yep. actually. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way. When I first uh, heard that Castle opened back in the day, right. all I thought to myself was like, that place is never going to last. Why would they right. open a recording studio in Utica? Now, and, a, a fair point. Yeah. It, 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 uh, I don't know why either. Uh, it was, <laughs> but it happened. <laughs> uh, thank God. Mm. Uh, you know, my father-in-law is from a transplant from California. Really? Um, and he was a musician and always had home studios out in uh, Monterey and my mother-in-law is originally from Utica, yeah. but she worked as an immunologist in uh, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, which led her to California. Sure. And this was in the late 80s, early 90s when the pharma boom was taking place. Yeah. So she, she, she had a lucrative career out there, and she met my now father-in-law, and she found that she could do her job. Uh, in a lab uh, he, in Whitesboro, of yeah. all places, and wanted to come home. Hmm. So she, you know, uh, dragged, for lack of a better term, my father-in-law, who's also Jeff, uh, to, you, to this place in the middle of New York State, and he's basically like, well, what, what am I going to do? And, and, and more or less, it was like, well, I don't know, why don't you open the studio? Yeah. So uh, long story short, this building, this church, was for sale, and... Um, I, you know, for, for, for someone coming from California and the real estate, as you know, like mm -hmm. living in New York, as oh, yeah. you did, you know, buy a parking space is 15 yes. grand a year. Yeah. So he was astounded, I think, to, to the idea that you could just buy a church. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think he just thought, well, this is great. Uh, what an opportunity. Uh, it's, it then snowballed when he met the, a designer of the acoustic, the, the control room facility, yeah. right? This was designed by a guy named John Stork. John Stork, who's that? Well, he designed a small little place you may have heard of called Electric Ladyland. Yes. And then several others. He's, he's a world famous... Yeah, the HBO documentary about... Uh, Sound City was about... No, no, no. That's about the console. That's about the console. Correct. Right. Okay. This is simply about the structure sure. of the control sure. room, okay. right? Yeah. So, so this guy, John Stork, is a is a world renowned acoustician and sure. studio designer. Sure. So, long story short, my father in law is a big baseball fan. Goes to Cooperstown because he's in New York now. He gets to go to baseball Hall of Fame, right? Which yeah. from California Which is the best. We take for granted living here sometimes. Well, it's so, so close, you know. Exactly. So yeah. he goes down and. He, I mean, talk about serendipity, runs into John Stork mm. at the Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> they start chatting, and John Stork says, geez, I've never done a church in a studio before. And so, you know, viola. 
here we are, right, with this, which was not what the plan was, sure. right? This was not supposed to be. It was supposed to be my father-in-law's private little joint for him yeah. to just have some fun in. Mm. It turned into this thing. I don't necessarily know if that's what he wanted, but that's what happened. Well, that's fair, and though. And so here we are now, 10, 13 years later, and he's since retired, he being Jeff, my father-in-law, and I just happened to be a guy who wanted to do this for a living. Let's get to, let's let's go back for a moment because I want to ask you a couple of questions because I find it fascinating that you ended up here, but I want to know where you started. I are do you, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where did you? Are you from the region initially? Born in Rome. Born You're and born raised in Rome. in Rome. Okay. RFA eighty nine. You know, the whole. I've never left the three one five. Really? Much to my chagrin. Huh. I'm no, quite it's... jealous of you. I've done <laughs> six month stints. Uh, I did a couple in New York, Lower East Side stuff, but never like just said see ya goodbye. I, um, and uh, I, I wish I had in some respects. I feel like it was good to a certain extent. Like I, I certainly have parts of my personality that I still love parts of New York. Uh, my general one-line uh, comment about New York is everything good or bad you've ever heard about New York City is all 100% true. true right. And, uh, you know, that's what it is. It is it, the city is what it is. But uh, my biggest problem that I always talk about on the show is I left Utica initially thinking – I have problems here in Utica, relationship problems, job problems, school problems, money problems. I need to get out of here. Right. And the problem sure. is I went to New York and all of these problems sure. followed me, you know, followed yeah. me there. Sure. So once I came back, I've actually, since I've been back, I've only been back about a year now almost, right. it does feel like a different city now than it did. Fair enough. I would say that yeah. certainly there was a point where this place was a place you might want to get the hell out of. Well, that's a fair point because when this place opened, it was probably, it was in the, I remember coming here at Castle and recording years ago. And this was probably at a time when Utica wasn't in the positive place that it For was. Sure. And that's maybe why it seemed like such a strange decision right. initially. It's like, you're going to build a, a recording studio in this place. Would you say that the, the positive momentum of Utica has been good going forward for oh, the studio? Oh, no For question. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think that just, it's, it's a, you know, a lot of what we do in here is about a vibe. Yeah. Okay, so, and that I think extends beyond the confines of of uh, you know any business or any any venture. I mean, if the vibe of the of the if the environment, whether that be you know in four within four walls or or you know geographically or however you know that if people are 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 are, po- are excited about where they live or feel like at least let's just say that they're not embarrassed by where they mm-hmm. live, which was kind of where we were at. Yeah, it was sort yeah. of like, yeah, you know, we're from, you know, we were Syracuse's big joke. We were Central New York's, you know, uh, pimple. Yeah, well, for you years, know what I, I mean? People ask you where you're from, I'd say Utica. They'd say, yeah. where's that? You say near Syracuse. They go, oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. It, it, we, were, we were largely a, a, the butt of most, I think, yeah. p- the punchline of jokes. And I think, you know, that has an effect on the psyche of, of, of anybody trying mm. to do anything, let alone anything creative. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah. Anything creative where, you know, I mean, I always said that the strangest people I've ever met are from places like this. Um, mm. Because, you know, to, to sort of dovetail back to New York, you know, you can, you can go to New York and the motivations for people doing things in a city like New York vary. Yes. There are some true artists, there's some true geniuses or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of people just making the scene, right? Because it's yeah. just cool to be cool. It's it's And you know what I mean? So, you yeah. know, you're just there to just be seen with the people who are there to be seen. If you're here in, in Utica, for example, 
and you're trying to be in a band or you're trying to be an artist and you're really trying, right? And you just like are doing it and you don't care. You're really dedicated. I mean, because yeah. there's no scene to no. make. You, you make know what I mean? Your own scene. Like right. there is no benefit for being an artist in this town. What I mean by that is there are no artificial gains. No, there's no, you're right. Right. You have to, if you are, if you're going to make it in this town, it's because you're doing it. It's because you believe in it. You don't know any. You're better. driving it really hard. Right. You're either pushing yourself on the internet or on other platforms to get your music out to a broader scope. Uh, the problem with New York, what I noticed is when playing in New York is, all right, you can book a show in New York. It's no big deal. Oh, we're going to play at the East Side Lounge tonight, right? Problem is, on any given night in New York City, there are 100 to 200 live bands playing everywhere in the city at the same time. How do you make enough noise to say, no, you're gonna, you want to come to this show? You don't want to go. The see, oversaturation yeah, is a huge it's, problem. It's a strange animal to play in New Which York. Which is yeah. kind of in your and to sort of answer your question of why this place exists. Well, there certainly isn't an oversaturation. Yeah. Of places to go make recordings. What would you say is the most common type of recording you get? You get mostly like rock and roll recordings? I mean, the facility, the way it's built, right, with a big live space Mm -hmm. is geared towards uh, ensembles. Yeah. So that could mean jazz, that could mean, you know, but groups of people, communal Mm -hmm. record making. Yeah. Which is goes against the grain of the current trend of sitting in your basement in your underwear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Making a record online with your friend where you pass his, the file to him, yeah. he puts the bass to it. I'm not knocking that. I'm not an no, anti-technology there's a fair point person. To that. That's, uh, if I, back in my day, uh, we had a four-track, and that's what we had to work with. I would have loved to have GarageBand. I would have loved to have any of this stuff as a as an eighteen or nineteen year old guy, um, because to and to sort of say what's my background? I'm a musician. I've been playing since I was five. I'm a keyboard player, right? Well, I think the problem is with a lot of the way technology works is you're a musician at heart, so you understand exactly. you understand the difference between what digital effects will do to something and what analog does. Sure. There is something. This is I learned this from playing saxophone. I played saxophone in, when I was growing up in a jazz band. Doesn't get any more analog. It does not. And but that's what, that was one of the things they really hit you was the warm breaths. You want to make a warm sound. That right. warmth is what fills you up. Right. And when you have a digital... I, I did a lot of digital recording early on when we were you know, in the middle sure. areas of playing in the band, and there is that very cold, stark, artificial sound that comes with digital sometimes that, you know, even, well, the, best, even the best equipment has... You can tell it's not warm. You know what I mean? One of the things we are doing here... Yeah. Um, uh, excuse me. Excuse me. One of, things, one of the things we are doing here in the studio that is, um, I think and hope and believe, is going to separate us from, say, some of the other places around the region, is that we are now incorporating two-inch tape, <laughs> which means you and anybody else who comes into this door, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing a big fancy project, although certainly yeah. it applies to that, but you can come in and just do two songs or something or whatever, and you're going to hit tape. You're going to hit two-inch tape from, you know, the machine that's built in 1984. And kind of, you know, what that... There's some mythology and some nostalgia built into that, but there is also some truth built into that. Oh, yeah. That, um, you know, digital's math. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. So it's taking... 
the signal through the wire, the plus and minus of the voltage, and turning it into binary code, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how you're hitting play on your computer and you're hearing it back when it's doing the opposite. It's taking the zeros and ones and turning it into plus and minus. Yeah. So mics, you know, blowers and suckers, mics and speakers, yeah. and then you got a box in between it that's doing math. Mm. And that's how recordings are made now. Um, it's super convenient, as you well know. For sure. We're doing this right now yeah. because you have a phone that like is allowing us to do microphones. This. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But there are, there's, as I want to say, there's no free lunch. No. And so there are some people that would argue uh, the point, but I firmly believe that records that were made years and years ago, not judging the material, just mm -hmm. the sonics, I prefer the sonics of analog recordings. Well, that's why you see an uptick in people buying vinyl again. Exactly. Uh, even if it, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys, sadly, as you can't tell, I'm already a dirty hipster as it is. But, um, <laughs> you came here on a unicycle. I did. I did. <laughs> hoverboard. Uh, yeah. no, uh, but th there is something about just, just something as simple as listening to something on vinyl. Sure. And listening Participation. To yeah. You for know, example, like, having to put the needle down. Exactly. Like, you know, I have a couple of Led Zeppelin records on vinyl and just the this, this simple difference of listening to it on vinyl and listening to it on your MP3 player, you're like, huh, that's, that's funny. Well, and, you know? and, you know, look, on the white paper end of things, which means tech specs, right? You sit down, if you, you know, no one's going to do this, but guys like me do. Look at the tech specs of a digital file, a CD, and look at the, CD is superior, okay? It is <laughs> technically superior. But that doesn't mean that we perceive it as sounding good or better, mm. okay? The things that we enjoy, we being humans, the things that we enjoy about um, uh, listening to music are, ironically, the flaws, quote unquote, yeah. of tape or vinyl. I go, I the go harmo that yeah. stuff is pleasing to us for whatever the reason, right? I was out in Boston one time, and I think about this all the time when people talk about this. Uh, he had, uh, my friend Kevin Ennis used to own a studio out in Boston called the Milk House Recording Studio. I don't know if they're still out there, but he was, he was a great guy. He was young. He, he understood what we talked about a little bit beforehand. He was not producing an album for us. He was helping us to get our vision across, right. as opposed to saying maybe you should do this. Yeah. Uh, but Imposing he had his will. Yeah, yeah. He had a, an analog digital tape delay, right? Uh, and we were using it for uh, an effect on something. And when we recorded the back, the original part of the analog, there was an old recording that was still on there. Print through. Yeah, and we actually recorded the sound of the you tape winding liked up. It. And the, the little intro that was on the old thing, which is like, this is a happy accident, but these happy accidents give this song this, this singular vibe. Serendipity and whim. For. Yeah, and that's one of the joys I noticed. But that, that was one of the big moments for me that was like, oh, maybe, maybe this, there's a reason people use analog. Well, you know here's I mean? the yeah. thing. So, so what we try to offer here is three things. You can, you can, mm. we, you, you, I, I, as a, an engineer, don't, it's, to me, it's all like, what car do you want to take to work today? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't care. Some days it makes more sense to take the four-wheel drive car because there's a blizzard. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. As opposed to the convertible. Probably not a good day for the convertible. But hey, if you want to take the convertible and ride around in the snow, <laughs> I'm game, right? I don't care. So we can go straight digital, straight to the computer, like modern space age times. Great. Mm. Unpep. We can do a hybrid where we're recording to tape, but we're also recording to the computer. So we get the best of both worlds, sure. right? Which is what 90% of people want. Yeah. They want the sound of the old washing machine, mm -hmm. 
But they don't want to deal with what that really means. Yeah. And I'll explain that in a second. The third way is we can shut the computer right off mm. entirely. We cart it out of the room and pretend it's 1975. Yeah. Because I have an analog console and I have a tape machine. I don't need a computer to make a recording, which for some people is very, very enticing. It is. And it's exactly what they actually want. My mouth is watering. Well, it's a it. lot of fun. <laughs> and here's why that's fun. Here's what's fun about that. Art by limitation. Yeah. Okay? You got 24 tracks. Figure it out. Mm, yeah. Right? You do not have 30,000 takes of your baseline. Mm-hmm. Play it. And Make a decision. Want... Let's go. And if you want to record it again, you're going to probably lose the one you just there's had. There's no so... undo. There's yeah. only redo. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can punch in. Like, boom, we're going to make a correction. But yeah. there isn't, like, let's listen to the 10 times I played that. No. Well, I say that all the time with, it's like boxing in the UFC, right? If you watch the UFC, you're going to see a thousand different types of fighters, right? Okay. If you watch boxing, you're watching a, a practiced methodology. You're sure. watching a limited... A discipline. A discipline, right? Yeah. Like, and that's sort of what it makes me think of. I can sit here on, a digital, on my garage band and say, uh, I'm going to record this guitar part 19 times, right. and I'll layer the six of them that sound the best on top of each other and then it'll sound like this, right? So this is my whole defense yeah. for why people need to come to recording studios and yeah. have people work on their records, right? Yeah. I, I, I could go on forever, but I won't. <laughs> but here's my thing, right? The reason I think that old records sound so amazing is because somebody was there. First of all, art by limitation. Yeah, That's why. You, you had to commit. You had to make a decision. The big thing is always, uh, you know, Sgt. Pepper's was made on a four track. Well, okay, sort of. A bunch of tracks were recorded. And then they were funneled down. Yeah. They were submixed. They were mm-hmm. bounced, as they say, right? They took eight things and turned them into one. But in that, in that process, they had to make that decision. Yeah. Okay, this is how loud the tambourine's going to be mm. in relation to the rest of the drums. Yeah. Once we do this, that's it. Mm. You can never change that again. So you better decide right now. It's about being present yeah, which end. is what I find that I don't see now in the computer age with, because every kid that comes in here knows that I can do anything in the computer. Mm-hmm. I can fix anything. I've got 10,000 takes of everything in there. So there is no need to commit to anything. There's yeah, no there's, need to pay attention. There's no pressure. There's no, no pressure. We're, there's a safety net, and then there's a safety yeah. net under that, and then there's a safety net under uh-huh. that. Well, that's what happened. You know, when we went to Boston to record back, this is probably the last time I went to a studio to record, we had... We had a week, right? We said, all right, we got this many days. We have this much money. We have to get this done in this much amount of time and this much amount of money, and that's it. We can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. And that, that hard limit for this is all we can do. We better really bust our ass for a week. You know, we really got to get on this. Yeah. It made a difference. Like that album, that's probably the best recording I've ever done because there was this. Those records tend yeah, to bring I out the best. Gotta, People either yeah. fold or they yeah. rise to the occasion, yeah. right? That's where you see, yeah. though. That's where it happens. Like, yo, time to go. Now, <laughs> besides, besides Big Blue, I knew you from Modus back in the day. Uh, are you guys still playing at all? Yeah. No? <laughs> I, I, we are currently just playing around with the idea of recording some stuff that we never got around to recording what did back you, in the day. What did you play positionally? Like, I, I don't know. Keyboard and sang. Keyboard and sang. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've always been a keyboard player. I played guitar in a band for a while that uh, no one's ever heard of back in the 90s, so mm. Red Herring, and, but I sang in that band awfully as well. 
Most of the time I sing because no one else in the band can That's sing. That's how it goes. If it? I ever got in a band with an actual singer, trust me, I would not be the singer. I'd be the like the harmony guy. I get a lot uh, of that, man, because I used to be the singer. They're like, you can, you can sing, right? Yeah, and I'm like, like, okay. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So it's fun. I enjoy the playing. I don't enjoy singing. Mm. I, I, uh, it's hard for me. I, I'm, not, I'm not that great at it. Uh, well, Jeff, listen, it's been a real pleasure here spending time with you here at the Big Blue Recording Studio, Big Blue North. It's really a beautiful establishment you hear. Uh, for any musicians out there who are looking for some place to come record where you won't feel pressured, where you can get your artistic vision out, this is probably the best place regionally I can think of. So it's a real pleasure to have you here, sir. Thank you, Sam. And, uh, Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, it's not. I love talking to musicians. You know how it goes. Yeah, we could probably do this. For <laughs> Go for it. All right, we'll be back with the show in just a moment. Uh, thanks again to Jeff and Big Blue North. We'll be right back. Thank you again, Jeff Adderman, Big Blue North. Uh, Kev, we actually, uh, we, we recorded at Big Blue North years ago. I remember when it was called Castle Studios. Yeah. I and remember being in that building really is, it's gorgeous. What they did, it's an old church on Genesee Street for those of you who aren't familiar with the place, you've probably driven by it one million times if you live in Utica, and it's right on the corner yeah. of that street, the name I can't remember comes down <laughs> maybe, maybe like Beverly, off of Beverly. Genesee Street, and it's I that old it church Beverly. right in the corner they yeah. turned into uh, a... Yeah. I mean, super, super professional level the recording studio. accommodation there is absurd. They had uh, Utica Coffee available and ready for us. Uh, UCs in the refrigerator, because uh, you can't do UCs with Z without, without the beers. Um, they gave us cool gift bag, like little uh, they did. swag so bag. I saw bangs. that yeah, when that I came back really, to the studio. Really there was cool. like t-shirts, From, pins, stickers. Yeah. The pins are the hottest fire. That was us going in there to do some video stuff and an interview for the show, and, mm-hmm. and they took care of us like we were they, kings. So I can really imagine did. if you did an album there, you would be living like literally like a rock star. Yeah. Literally like a rock star. Or paying like a rock star, too, I yeah, bet. Yeah. You know what, though? Actually, that's something we talked about, because me and him got into a conversation off camera. I don't know if we talked about it during mm-hmm. the UC uh portion, but... We talked about when you and me, when you and I were younger, Kev, we always talk about we got caught in a weird era for recording music and playing in bands where we were just ahead of the digital recording era where we could do it ourselves. And we got roped into spending a lot of money at a studio once in Rochester and it was a bad, it was a bad time. Like, we, we came out, I didn't like the results we got from that. Yeah, no, re- retrospectively, yeah, there was definitely, it was crazy at the time because I remember playing in bands and, you know, having a talk about sort of what you were doing and what your next plan was. And, you know, you'd be playing and rehearsing every week and you'd be writing new material. So you want this new material to get on something so you can put it out. But there was no garage band. There no. was no laptop that was really making a program enough where you could, like, record songs at a high enough quality to mm-hmm. actually give to people and have them care. Right. Uh, well, we didn't have that problem at Castle, if you remember, because we were funded because we were yes we were we did get funded to record at castle to record like one song yeah we we got asked to be the song the soundtrack for a movie that someone was making independent film that they uh and a a female dancer 
who so had made friends here's, with one of our... This was not a Rick Lewis project. <laughs> this is not a Rick Lewis project. I just Shout couldn't out. believe that. Our, I... our, our guitar player at the time fell in love with a stripper who, yes. fa- who fancied herself to be an independent filmmaker as well. Yes. And she's like, hey guys, you know, you're in this True band. Artist. This is so cool. I'll pay for you guys to record this song to put on my in my movie. And so we went premiere night to go see this movie at the Capitol Theater in Rome, well, and we're in the soundtrack. Well, hang on, hang on. I, I want to prerequisite the story. Um, we, this was supposed to be, the idea behind this was that they were going to premiere the film. I remember the name of the film. It was called The Space Between Dreams, and I don't think anyone's ever seen it. I don't think anyone's That's ever right. seen it's it. It's on Netflix. It could be on Netflix oh, or, or Amazon TV for sure. Yeah. It's for sure. Um, no, so... Uh, we the idea was, and this was grandiose at the time. The idea was that they were going to premiere the movie at the Capitol Theater in Rome. They'd rented out the Capitol Theater. They were going to play the movie, and then as the movie ended, the screen was going to lift up. We were going to be set up behind. We were going to do a short set afterwards. We were gonna, that was the idea, right? So, all right. Now, the night of the premiere, number one, it was one of the biggest snowstorms in like oh Rome my history. God, yeah. It was brutal. There were probably... We got about two feet of snow that Two feet of snow that There were probably ten people in the audience, right? And now, I don't know how many people would have come otherwise, mind you. (laughs) We were not involved, really, in that aspect of it. Don't make this about the snow. It's not about... So, but two of the people I know for a fact who came were my AP physics teacher, Mr. Colenzo, and his 13-year-old son. Uh, no, so we sit in the movie and there's oh, really nobody there so me and you and, and Nick's, uh, our, our and guitar Nick, player Nick's yeah. poor grandmother was there and, and well. Nick's grandmother that's right and Jay uh, our late friend Jay and we sat in the front row and we watched the movie the movie started and our song was the beginning opening portion of the movie right it was our track and the title screen came up and it was like yeah, it's going man. well yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and within this is the high point this is, <laughs> and within 10 minutes this movie turned into like a disgusting snuff film no. drug fest with like acid Wait. trip sequences Wait, and there was, yeah, I remember was... specifically a sequence with a guy with his arms stretched out and it looked like someone had painted him with highlighters and like right? really like had really spent time on it and it it was the movie fine. was really, really poorly done, too. Right. Like, just poor handheld camcorder with editing. This is barely a movie in we're so much just, of the fact because it was an hour and a half of footage. Just, and we're, we're sitting there just getting lower and lower, lower in our chairs. Sinking into our seats. I'm thinking as the gratuitous fellatio scene is happening that my AP physics teacher and Nick's grandmother are two rows oh behind us. God. And this was... Uh, it's Vincent Gallo shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then we still got to go up there and play afterwards. Oh. Yes. Yes, yeah, so that's the thing. So now the, the screen comes up after this atrocity and uh <laughs> all and, 10 people are and stunned we're, and we're and we're dead. we're still in the front row because now we don't want to get up we're like mm, no no i don't know if we feel like this is oh, a good dude. idea sam i um, remember watching that movie and we were like should we leave like we should leave we all should of our leave. gears here our stuff set up we can't leave we gotta go <laughs> should we do something we should do something so that's um, the story about the time we got paid castle. to record a song castle. in castle recording Stripper uh, but the recording came out good and we used it it, it did, go, it did come out free. good silver uh, linings yeah good times um so yeah nothing's ever free free, essentially (laughs) is what you learned there nothing's for free speaking of uh speaking of train wrecks (laughs) let's move on to another movie that's making headlines for being a flaming train wreck and that is batman v superman which from everything i've heard dawn of justice yes dawn of mediocrity um so I've not seen the film but everything i've heard all week everywhere i turn on is that it's hot garbage that's that's all I've heard too, but I heard that it's also making crazy money. Of course it is, because there's still it's like the Star Wars effect when I was talking about TK when it originally came out. Regardless of the movie's junk, 
people are going to go watch it in bulks and then leave favorable reviews on Rotten Tomatoes because they're Superboy fanboys or Superman fanboys and they're going to defend it till death anyways. At you know least what I you're mean? not bitter. Dude, I, super no, I know what you mean. But you're right. You're right. What I, did you expect that movie to be? Honestly, this, well, here's honestly, I, I, was, other per, Superman perception. movies have made no money. Like that Superman Returns, nobody wants to see that. Superman always sucks. Is never a Superman star. Returns. True. There's was never a, a Batman makes money though. That's true. I heard that Affleck is the best part of the film. I believe everything that. I've heard. Uh, here's my problem. Okay, we've talked about how I, I'm waiting for the superhero bubble to burst. Right. DC, for the next three years, DC Company, has movies lined up, right, for all their properties, trying desperately to catch up to Marvel, who has caught this current wave of, you know, of movie making. and Yeah, and have run with it and made, you know, billions of dollars, right? They have tried to stack five movies worth of, like, character development into one film to catch up, and I think that's the general argument. It's like, oh, well, here's Aquaman. What? Here's Wonder Woman. Right. Why? Right, right. Why are they him, in this to film? To get them introduced and out there, yeah. Would you have been hyped for this movie if you were a kid? Like, if you were if you were 13 years old, are you hyped to go see this movie? Because I've heard it's, like, horrifying. It's a Zack Snyder film, so it's probably really traumatizing and gory and kind of brutal, right? I think that's why, honestly, it could be very rough because Zack, like, it could be just a pretty interesting take on a superhero film, you know what I mean? So, I like, feel that like, may be some of the disdain. I feel like Zack just... Snyder has a tendency to, to do stuff... Uh, visually and make a certain look that doesn't really make sense like to the point of doing something yeah. really melodramatic with the visuals in his film mm. like sometimes he can't just let it be like he'll try to be like too dark or right. too gritty and it right. just mm. he really slips into comic booky in a bad way even yeah, though yeah, these yeah. are movies Graphic. based on comic Graphic books novel. yeah, yeah kind of but like even it just sometimes he does it just for the sake of doing it it doesn't make a lot of sense where the movie might be better if it looked a little bit more based in you know a realistic look at least from other movies i've seen of his yeah i haven't seen this movie either i don't know if i will i mean i'm sure i'll see it at some I, point i'll give it a watch i am curious to I've see never, i don't think i'm going to the theater no i'm curious to see the movie as a as a concept like i'm just curious to see whether it's as bad as everyone says it is right it has a little bit of that. I, I bet you that this movie's making a ton of money, but it's going to stop making money very quickly. Right. Like, once the... As more and more, like, word of mouth comes out, this is a piece of crap, yeah. right? But uh, you got to assume even in international markets and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, people yeah. will go see it for they're the gonna make, They're going to make a killing. And, and plus all the merchandising. That's where the real opportunity is, because, like, I was reading somewhere they need to make $800 million to make their, you know, make their money back to get into the black. But they're talking about those numbers, you know take into consideration all the toys you sell all the licensing the mcdonald's happy meal mm-hmm. toys the whatever else you do the t-shirts the book bags the lunch boxes and all that stuff and that's where a lot of these superhero properties make their money because even if this isn't really that much of a cinematic achievement seven-year-olds still like batman right. mm-hmm. and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day for a lot of their money to make back and recoup their costs i think for me superman i don't like superheroes a ton but <clears throat> superman and batman in general would be like two of my least favorite of all the ones I could pick from, I guess. Oh, so see, they're my the last. I wouldn't. I'm not even interested in it. If it wasn't for Christopher Nolan, I wouldn't give a hoot for Batman. Tim Burton, I guess too, but right. I never really cared for him. I am. I'm a hipster, so I like fringe superheroes <laughs> like Plastic Man. Uh, <laughs> but to be fair, I still think that my favorite superhero movie was the first Iron Man movie, which I think was the just first the Iron Man. Was that movie was great. Was, that was on a really point. good movie. Um, let me ask you a question: Have you ever walked out of a film that you've paid money to go see in a movie theater? Um. Question. It's a I, good one. I've done it a couple times in my life. I feel like I have one time, but I don't remember what it was. Maybe, no, I don't think I have. Maybe I'm just thinking of other people mm. I know who have walked out of films. I remember as a little kid walking on Ninja Turtles 3. 
as a kid with my dad. I don't know if I had gotten to a point where I felt like I didn't want to watch it because I was a little too old for it and it was right. kind of hokey. Yeah. I feel like I walked out of that with my dad and he was kind of happy, right? Uh, and then also, I walked <laughs> out of the second Lord of the Rings movie, oh. uh, which is a hot take for most people because I know people love the Lord of the Rings movies. See, I'm um, just not walking in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. That's no a, hot takes here for me. That's yeah. a funny story, too. I went to the... Uh, real quick, I went to the movies with my buddy, Brendan Kane to go see... Um, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, great yeah. movie. Well, that's the thing. We get to the theater, and all our buddies are already at the theater. And they're like, what are you doing here? And we're like, oh, we're going to go see Catch Me If You Can. And they're like, don't go see that. We're going to see Lord of the Rings. Come watch Lord of the Rings with us. And we're like, ah, I don't really know much about Lord of the Rings. They're like, no, 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 it's going to be good. Come on, watch it with us. So we were like, okay. So we went and sat in. We went, watched, sat down, get ready, previews, Lord of the Rings. My buddy's all talking it up. My buddy, Ed DiCarlo. Shout out, Ed DiCarlo. He's like, oh, dude, I'm so psyched. I'm waiting for this movie. I can't wait till this. Hey, uh, you saw the first one, right? And I said, no. And he said, oh, you're not going to know anything that's going on. And I said, what? <laughs> so for about an hour, I sat there in the film, and I said, who's this guy? He said, shh. I said, no, who's this guy? <laughs> What's, where are they going? I don't understand any of this. Who's that little midget, right? Like, I, I can't say that. It's inappropriate now, right? Uh... So I ended up walking out about an hour and a half into that because I had no context for anything that was going on. Yeah, dude, I can't do scenes. Lord of the Rings. No thanks. Uh, you had like four hours left to go. <laughs> that, that, well, that's the walk, point, right? fight, I, walk, <laughs> fight, walk, fight. I usually won't walk out of something on principle because I spent money for it, right? Like I've sat through some bad movies because, you know, Indiana Jones, Crystal Skulls. I sat through that whole movie. Yeah. You know, I'm not wasting <laughs> I'm giving them all my money for that. <laughs> time, time I won't get back. What about you, Parker? You never walked out of a movie? Um, not for necessarily it being so bad. It's just not being interested in staying, staying all all the time. So I've I've yeah, been it's to, kind of the same thing in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, it I just doesn't so. catch you. Um, scary movies. I remember um the one that had the crop circles. Um, Signs. Yeah, they were Signs? no, but they were making fun of the one that they made fun of that. Oh, one. like the I movie Charlie like scary movie, movie or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something I, that one I walked out of. Um, I don't, that was just like I, a general like consensus, like, let's get out of here. I, like, like the, eh, whatever. I can't, I can't do those movies. parody yeah. movies, like yeah. epic movie, a, date movie, scary movie. They all have a handful of, movie. they all have a handful of jokes. Yeah, there's hit, always but, stuff that makes yeah. you laugh, but like as a whole, it, just, it feels lazy, yeah. you know what I mean? How long before there's another Superman, uh, Batman, like, parody movie? Now, there's another one that comes out right now, right, to make fun of this. I, like, are they still making those? I feel like I haven't seen a lot of those Direct to DVD, you see a lot of that now. Um, it's crazy that people make money on direct-to-DVD releases. Yo. Like, where's your market there? No, dude, you should look. There's some videos on the internet about those people and, like, the money they make. Like, they think, what the hell's the company? Dark Harbor is the company that makes all those movies that have, like, the same name. Like, it's not Transformers. It's, like, Transmorphers. You see it for, like, $8, <laughs> right? Like, at an FYE, and you're like, who, who is this for? Those people make bank. That's I, so crazy. It's so me. weird, It's man. so weird some of the ways you find out that people are making money. Like, people yeah. are making tons of money doing yeah, stuff yeah, you never would have thought of and just, like, quietly Lake doing Placid their too. thing and carving out a niche that nobody knew existed. I, I paid money to see that in the theater, mind you. I don't want you to make fun of Lake Placid. Me and my dad went to see that. I like Lake Placid 1. <laughs> I'm talking about Lake Placid 2. I didn't know they made a second one. You don't want There you go. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> so, uh, guys, I signed up for the Boilmaker a couple weeks ago. It is now officially sold out. So if you didn't sign up yet, guys, I guess you're not. Gotta go to the shoot. black market. The black market. Boil- that's a real thing you can get. Black kidney, market boiler. Trade a kidney for. Yeah, they um, have to uh, up the uh, the medical attention that I see since you'll be running. Yeah, but well, I, hey, listen, this is my third year in a row. I have confidence, and I'm getting ready with the most important part of any training regiment: choosing what type of hot gear I will wear <laughs> during the race. This is very important because, as you know, looking good is feeling good, and feeling good is living well. And that's that's <laughs> true. So 
<laughs> no, I feel like so, you've been practicing that all weekend. I you were sitting at your mom's house at Easter, off the just top of my head, scratching down um, on a napkin. A couple years ago, a good friend of the show, John Zangrone, local fireman, uh, mastermind, great taste in music. Uh, he wore a shirt that he made himself with fake sponsors over it, like he was a NASCAR, like he just had all, <laughs> sorts of all over himself. That's kind of what I'm looking for so this year. So if anyone wants to make me like a Maiden Utica X Uticast like shirt that I can it run, looks in. like you've been blatantly sold out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Don't give him any ideas. Parkinson will be selling yeah, sponsorships got, on I your body. So, yeah. Yo, I'm into it. Yo, I, brand me out. I want to look like a soccer player. Just full kit. I'm going to be out there. That's not a bad idea. If I ran the whole Boilermaker into full Liverpool kit, socks and all, shin guards, <laughs> that would be a great look. You got to be mobile you run by. Hey, mate, just out there. You got to carry the ball the whole time. <laughs> yeah, just point no, at people. Dribble it. Yeah, just point no. at people. No, you got to dribble around I the whole I just need, crowd. like, a sign that just says, for the lads, and I'll carry it above my head. Uh, no, I'm, no, I have to think of some good gear. I'm actually tempted to get new running shoes this year. My running shoes are very old. Um, I think yeah. it's time. I think it's that time for new running shoes. You better break them in before the first race. One of the classic mistakes is putting on that's, a new Dude, pair that's of shoes. the worst. You ever do that? They buy a new pair of shoes and then immediately run. wear them out and make that decision. <laughs> you, you don't run anywhere. If the house was on fire, you wouldn't run. You just lackadaisically roll out the front window into <laughs> no. the lawn. I've already been, been outside chasing... so what do you think started it? Uh, <laughs> you're getting real contentious. I think it's because it's WrestleMania weekend, guys. Um, Let's let's just put it out there real quick. We are going to do a WrestleMania specific episode of the Uticast this week, a special episode, the first of hopefully more special episodes. That's, Please don't unsubscribe. Don't un. <laughs> and the reason well, we didn't want to we didn't want to hammer our, our regular listeners with our love of professional wrestling, which is always thinly veiled at all moments in time on this. So show. we're just going to put it out as a special episode. It's going to drop at some point this week, a couple days before yeah, WrestleMania. Thursday, we have a Friday, few, maybe yeah. uh, special guests on there. So if you don't care about WrestleMania at all, you can skip that one. But skip if you it. do, tune in because it's going to be a zoo. It's going to be a madhouse. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, though, this is like the Super Bowl of wrestling for all. Like this is this That's is true. a relatively mainstream it's event. An entertainment see, spectacle. Yeah. Well, you'll what see, you want. There you'll is. see through the week. Like it'll be on Sports mm. Center. They'll have those yeah. guys on. It'll give like this is this is the one time of year where they do get like real mainstream coverage because it is. You're right. It's their yeah, Super it is their Bowl. Super it's Bowl. Their Super it's Bowl. treated as such too. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we close up for the week. Uh, Last week, I mentioned the Genesis Group. My friend Diane Kane is running a promotion. Um, I have some more details about this. This promotion is going to be done on Friday. It's actually a uh, Taste of Mohawk Valley event. They're putting it on at the brewery at the Tavern. They sure are. Uh, Kevin will be there. Tavern and Tour Center. They'll be upstairs and downstairs with food from a whole bunch of different restaurants. Yep, 20 different Mohawk Valley restaurants and limited Saranac beverages will be provided from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. this Friday, uh, and that is April 1st. Yeah, tickets are, I believe tickets are $25. Yeah, $25. You come in and that $25 covers all your food, all your drinks, hanging out at the brewery with... That's a damn good deal. All Uh, the fun brewery folk. You can reserve tickets by sending an email to reservations at thegenesisgroup.org, or you can call Pamela at 520-0736. Donor number out there. Is that her personal phone? No, it's their business line. I figure if you put the phone number on the internet, you can say the number It's a business line, yeah. It's fine. Reservations at thegenesisgroup.org. It looks like it's going to be a fun event. I think I might go to get ready for my WrestleMania weekend. And the Genesis Group does a lot of cool stuff with uh, college stuff around the area, getting kids involved. So it's it's a pretty good thing. Yeah, that's true. The Genesis Group does do great work. All right. um, For Jeff Adderman, thanks again for being here this week to do the interview. Uh, Kevin Sullivan. uh, Justin Parkinson. You know. Sam Pamelaro. <laughs> Boo! Boo! Alright, come on, let's go play wrestling video games for the next three hours. Ah! Good show.